0: Today's uh, talk from the Rebbe on the Parashas Pinchas is an exceptionally inspiring talk that the Rebbe gave, and to uh, experience this inspiration, um, you're going to need to stick through the entire talk to uh, get the fullness of it uh, as it uh, culminates uh, towards the end of the talk. It is inspiration, and hopefully... um, The way you receive it will permit you not only to be inspired, but to integrate it. And you'll understand why I'm emphasizing inspiration and and integration um, as we go through this uh, discussion, which is actually this week primarily on the Haftorah, not the Torah portion, but on the Haftorah. The Haftorah is a section of prophets that we read following the Torah portion every Shabbos. And that's what this conversation is about, because during the three weeks as it's known in the three weeks during the summer when we are mourning the destruction of the base there's the temple we read three haftoras which are called Tilsa de puranusa three haftoras which are about tragedy the where the prophets um that uh, that god spoke to in this case prophet yirmi Yo, prophet jeremiah um speaks of the, the the calamities that will befall the jewish people because of their sins and that is what the um the haftorah is about now typically a haftorah always uh, carries a theme that's associated and parallels the torah portion in this case it's really parallel paralleling the time that we are in which is the time of mourning but even though it parallels the time of mourning we know that it will still in a general sense parallel as well what the torah portion is speaking about in some way (laughs) <laughs> um, and as the Rebbe um, uniquely emphasizes that being that everything in Torah is is so precise because when something is true, it's aligned very, very deeply. And the Rebbe is unique in his emphasis of this, which is not uh, commonly found by many other commentators. Um, so he says that association between the Haftorah and the Torah portion has got to be something um, significant. Now, simply, the association between the Haftorah, which is uh, by the prophet, which is, or are the words of the prophet Yirmiyahu, and the Torah portion, which is a portion of Pinchas, is that both of them, as our commentators tell us, they both stemmed from Gentiles. Their lineage was, on, on one side of their family, from Gentiles. We know that Pinchas um, stemmed from through his mother from Yisro. Um, who the father-in-law of Moshe, who was a Gentile, and um, and Yermio descended from a woman um, called Rachav, um, who was a Gentile woman, um, who is mentioned in the beginning of the book of of Joshua of Yehoshua of our prophets, um, who ends up marrying Yehoshua, and and uh, after she converts and Yirmiyoh is a descendant. So and both of them were mocked for their lineage which is you know qu- common for people to do when uh, someone speaks the truth and uh, others uh, want to undermine them so they try and nitpick on anything they can find so they were both mocked because of their lineage of descending from gentiles and that's the reason why the the, the Pasuk in the torah the verse points out when it mentions pinchas it says pinchas ben Elazar ben aharon that, refer- that, that, that it uh, points to Pinchas' unique lineage being the, the grandson of the high priest Aaron HaKohen. And the same thing the, this week's Haftorah, when, um, when it speaks of um, Yirmiyoh, it says, divra Yirmiyoh ben this, um the words of Yirmiyoh, the son of Chilkiyoh, Min because Chilkiyoh, his father, was also the high priest. So it emphasizes their lineage to undo the, um, any form of discrediting that, uh, that, that, that was put up by those who mocked both of them. Now the Rebbe says that's an association in general. They have a common uh, background, and that's an association between the two. But that doesn't demonstrate an association in the very um, in the very expression of the Haftorah, where Yirmiyoh is, is is rebuking the Jewish people, and it doesn't dem- and, and where Pinchas took a stand on behalf of the Jew- Jewish people and therefore was rewarded. So the Rebbe the Rebbe insists that there must be a deeper Association between the haftorah and the Torah, than the, than just this general common commonality we find between the two people, and why is that? Because the Torah is precise, and therefore, if there's a haftorah that's associated with a Torah portion, there must be a deeper connection between them. Another another thing that the Rebbe points out at the beginning of the talk is that we find that the haftorah does not begin with the rebuke which is associated with the tragedies that befell us during these three weeks it first begins with a very fascinating introduction which the Rebbe is going to uh bring out tremendous uh tremendous um, encouragement from that 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 um it begins by saying that god spoke to 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 yermio and 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 then it says that the words of god to to i yhmho speaking um, are that he um, just a moment that that god told me before you were formed in your mother's stomach i knew you god says terem i sanctified you before you came out of your mother's womb before you were born i have already Appointed you as a prophet for, for the nations. And, and, and I said back to Hashem, Aha! Hashem alikim, Hine Daber. So, is that so, Hashem? I, I don't even know how to speak. You, you appointed me as a prophet, I don't even know how to speak. I'm just a, a young lad. And God spoke to me. Don't tell me that you are a lad. Wherever I send you, you will go. Whatever I instruct you, you will speak. Do not fear them, because I am with you, to save you. So speaks Hashem. Now, all of these are, this is it's a very nice exchange and interaction. Very Sounds somewhat similar to Moshe telling Hashem that I, I, I can't i'm not capable of taking the jews out of egypt and hashem argues with him sounds somewhat parallel somewhat but what does this have to do with the rebuke the rebuke comes right after this why doesn't the torah just start there and we're going to see how all of this is associated with the connection between the deep connection and alignment between parshas pinchas and this this particular Havtora. so the first thing we need to realize is that both pinchas and Yir Mio, they were both functioning in leadership during a time when the Jewish people were in a, in a low spiritual state where they were serving idolatry. Um, this was, Pinchas was at the end of the 40 years of the Jewish people in the desert when the Midianite women came and they enti- they enticed the men and then they told the men, we will not be intimate with you unless you worship our Baal par this par idol. And so the Jewish people were succumbing to idolatry in addition to uh, adultery. Um, and in the time of, of Yermio, the, um, the, the, the worship of Baal and the uh, enormous numbers of Nevi Ehabal, prophets of the Baal, who are, of course, of course false prophets, but prophets of this uh, um, idol called the Baal was rampant um, throughout the Jewish people. And that was part of the reason why and um, Anavi was, was prophesizing that the, the, the temple was going to be destroyed. Now, and both of them, so both of them had that similarity. Both of them inspired teshuvah, repentance, amongst the Jewish people. Yermio through rebuking the Jewish people and telling them what the terrible things that will befall them if they uh, if they don't do teshuvah. And Pinchas through actually killing um, Zimri in front of the the, the um, uh, you know ten uh, thousands of Jewish people, um, where through the killing they all saw the, uh, why in fact he killed them. The, 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 the reasoning there was clear. And that, and his taking such a strong stand, as the Torah says, is Kenasi Besecham, that you avenged my vengeance amongst them. That means where all the Jewish people were able to see what you did, that inspired a tremendous teshuva amongst the Jewish people. And that's the reason why, in fact, in fact he uses, throws in this word, which is an unusual word. It says, you avenged my vengeance, b'socham, amongst them or in their midst. What is the point of in their midst? To mention that, that that Pinchas inspired in the midst of the Jewish people a very strong feeling of Teshuva, of, of repenting for the wrongdoing of this, this uh wrongdoing that was uh, spreading amongst the Jewish people at that uh, during that time. And in fact, Vaischapar, they did they did Teshuvah. Now, there were many other leaders who also got the Jewish people to do teshuva, to repent when they did things which were wrong. But what we're going to see is that what's unique about Yirmiyot, and Pinchas is the manner in which they were able to inspire Teshuvah amongst the Jewish people. You see, the Talmud tells us that, um, compares um, another prophet to Yirmiyot. The Talmud says that Yirmiyot kula chorbunah, char- that Yirmiyot, his his uh, form of, of prophecy was all about destruction. Yeshayah, Yish- the prophet Isaiah, uh, another great prophet, Kulei Nechemta. His prophecy was all about Nechama, consolation. Um, now, what does this mean? So, if you take the word Yeshaya, the word Yeshaya is associated with the word Yeshua, which is salvation. That's Yeshua, salvation. It's, it's an upbeat movement. It's a positive um, expression. Whereas yermia comes from the word, what, where does Yirmiya come from? The word Mar, which means bitter. Or another explanation is yermia which means destruction. So they both, uh, they both demonstrated a different approach in, um, in their way of influencing the uh, Jewish people. And in fact, the, the time, during the period that Yeshua, the, the, the prophet Yeshiiah, the prophet Isaiah lived, there in fact was revelation. It was during the, the, the temple when there was much more of a revelation of the presence of God during his time. Um, and therefore, his primary uh, approach in, in 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 trying to um, to make create change amongst Jewish people was through elevation by showing them uh, what, what's possible and um, the the the, the, the uh, what's available to them and what they can what they can experience in their life. Where Yirmiyoh was all about the destruction, what's what what the terrible things that are going to befall you if you don't follow in the ways of Hashem. Now, it's true that you, the prophet Isaiah, prophet Isaiah, also rebuked the Jewish people, but that was not his primary approach. Um, his primary approach was pr- um, prophecy of geula, of redemption. He was speaking about what will happen, what could happen, what's possible. Yirmi, uh, yirmiyo, his primary prophecy was through churban, was through destruction, the, the terrible things, calamities that were going to be full of Jewish people. And that's because, as we're going to continue to learn, the Hashem designs every neshama uniquely and differently with their own distinct avoda. it's called. Their avoda is their the, their life work that their neshama is supposed to bring into the world, which, of course, is true for every single one of us. Now, So Yermio had a distinct avoda, and that is that to, to convey mm-hmm. a message to the Jewish people, through focusing on the calamities and destruction that will be, that will be brought about through their negative behavior, Pinchas was the same way. Because what do we see? Pinchas also achieved uh, that, that 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 the, the Jews merely turned to do teshuva to repent for what they were doing wrong with the women of Midian and um, and and Balpar. But how did he do it? He didn't do it through inspiring them to a better way. He did it through a very um, a very harsh. Um, act of killing um, Zimri and the woman that he was, um, and Cosby, the woman that he was uh, being intimate with, which was very, um, very harsh. And that's the same uh, path. That's the same direction as Yirmiyahu. So we're beginning to see that the that Pinchas and Yirmiyahu have even more in common, and it's not just their lineage that's in common, but actually their their soul, um, the, the design of their soul. And the way they conducted themselves, because that was the type of soul that they were given, um, is very similar. And this will help us understand why Pinchas was rewarded with brisi shalom. That Hashem said, "I am going to, I am entering you into a covenant, um, an eternal covenant. Um, it's called a bris olam, an eternal covenant. That um, you and your offspring forever are going to be kohanim." That was the reward that was given to Pinchas. Now, I I want to emphasize something that the Rebbe does also, again, distinctly, um, is, as I've mentioned in, in previous classes, is the Rebbe demonstrates how every aspect, when we are on the right path of understanding what the Torah is saying in its deeper dimension, then every detail and aspect falls into place. It lines up beautifully. And the Rav is showing this in in, in expressing why Pinchas got this unique um, unique gift. Because what's troubling is that Moshe wanted that his children should succeed him. But we hear nothing of Moshe's children. They don't succeed him. And Pinchas comes in in one act of something very severe. He kills two people, rightfully so. And Hashem rewards him with an eternal blessing that he and his offspring after him will all be koan something that even moshe couldn't get for himself but when we understand the which which we didn't yet fully explain the the virtue the advantage of the particular way that pinchas inspired teshuv amongst the jewish people which is the same way that your did in contrast to yeshaya um prophet yeshaya and as we will see in a moment in contrast to moshe um, will understand why his reward was an eternal reward that went on from generation to generation, because the fact that he calmed God's anger, as the Torah says, and therefore God did not destroy the Jewish people. You know, Moshe calmed the anger of God a number of times when God was upset at the Jewish people and wanted to kill him, and and, and Moshe prevented God. Uh, prevented. I mean, God, Moshe um, negotiated with God. We'll say. To 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 make sure that God didn't kill the Jewish people as well, so it wasn't like Pinchas did something so unique that we never saw before. And again, Moshe did not get the reward that Pinchas got. But here's the difference: the difference is in the way Moshe achieved um, a, um, forgiveness for the Jewish people, and the way Pinchas achieved that the that the Jewish people uh, forgiveness for the Jewish people was very different. And and again, I want to emphasize that the difference is not that Pinchas did a better job than Moshe did. It's just that Moshe's role was to operate in a certain way. And Pinchas's role, as with the distinct Neshama was, given, was to operate in a certain way. However, the results, the ramifications, if you will, or the results, it would be the more proper word. The results of their efforts are different simply because what they're doing is different. So we know that what did Moshe do, for example, when, 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 he, when uh, he comes down from the mountain after 40 days and 40 nights and he sees the Jewish people made a golden calf, he smashes the tablets. What does he do then? He davens to Hashem. He prays to God to take away the decree of wiping out the Jewish people. Right? That's what he did. Pinchas didn't daven to Hashem. He didn't daven to Hashem to uh, um, help uh, take away the desire of the Jewish people for, this, um, 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 for what they were doing. But what did he do? he himself went and did something which was very, very dangerous and very risky um, and really put his life, his own life at risk. And he took matters into his own hand, which is is a very difficult thing for a person to do, um, which is the reason why most people don't do such a thing. It's not because it was easy for Pinchas. It was very hard for Pinchas. But he took the matter into his own hands. You see, Moshe, he told Hashem, if you're going to wipe out the Jewish people, take my name out of your book. In a certain respect, Moshe, um, he had Messirah Snefesh. He had self-sacrifice, but what he was sacrificing was his spirit, his his identity, if you will. The fact that he's, a, he, that he's associated with, with the Torah, where there's nothing greater that can be that one can be associated with than the Torah. And he said, Take my name out if you're going to wipe out the Jewish people. He was well, he was willing to take a stand spiritually on behalf of the Jewish people. But Pinchas, he put his actual physical life on the line. And I'm not, and it's not a point of which one is better or worse. It's different. And we're going to understand the difference between the two. Pinchas put his life on the line. He put his life on the line because the Midrash actually tells us that the tribe of Shimon wanted to kill him because he just killed their prince, their leader. And he was saved through a miracle. He was almost killed because of what he did. And he surely knew going to do that, the risk, because the Jewish people were in a state of passion in that moment. And he was taking a stand, which was very unpopular. And it wasn't the first time that an individual who took a stand, which was right, but very unpopular amongst the Jewish people, almost got killed. The same thing happened with the spies in other times. Now, surely Moshe would have done the same. He would have been ready to to, to sacrifice his physical life as well, um, if he had to. Um, but he didn't do that simply because that's not his avodah. That's not his role, this, the role of his soul in this world. That's why he didn't do it. However, we're going to see that still the results of these two acts in, in different pathways designed for each soul create um, are, are different. So, And the essential difference between Moshe and Pinchas, so we can get to the, to, to, to the core of it is, that there's something which I'm going to refer to as inspiration. Inspiration. Inspiration is when something outside of us, right? Or or uh, something outside of us triggers within us a desire. Now, that desire um, or yearning uh, for something, we'll talk about an inspiration to something good. That inspiration to, 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 to that very good thing came from something outside of me. It didn't come from me. And that's the reason why when we hear an inspiring lecture, an inspiring talk, we're very inspired when we walk out. But, but very often, as we know, the next morning we're back to where we were. Because inspiration did not come from within us, so it was short-lived. These are all key points to remember. In the language of Hasidus, and it's good to learn the language, this language is melmaela lamata, from above to below. When something from outside of me um, triggers something within me, it's a beautiful thing, and I pray to God all the time that He inspire me. However, it comes with some some significant limitations, and that is that it it's going to be short lived because I did not generate it, and I have not integrated that inspiration within myself. So, therefore, being that it's not integrated within me, it it, it come easy. It comes easy, goes easy. Whereas Pinchas, and that was the way. That's what Moshe did. Moshe he davened to Hashem to forgive the Jews. The Jews didn't really work through um, that that, that forgiveness. It was a forgiveness that he was able to bestow upon him, sort of like a bonus. Whereas Pinchas operated Malmata that's the language in the Hasidic term, from above to below, meaning through um, self-development, through one's own self-work, integrating this transformation within the real world. When I say real world, I mean the tangible world. Not so much the real world, but the tangible world, the physical world as we know it. That to, ma- to to ensure that in while I am entrenched in this physical world, that I am adopting a divine perspective. Um, that's really what Pinchas did. So therefore, Pinchas didn't just go above everything to God. Pinchas did an act within the physical world, which was influencing, like transforming. Um, and impressing all of the Jewish people who were standing around and watching how he was executing um, um, judgment in front of the Jewish people. And that transformed from them experiencing that, that created a transformation within them from from experiencing that. As we know that events in our lives are very often the very best way for us to integrate um, certain uh, awarenesses. And that's what Pinchas achieved. So Moshe received the Torah. And what did he do? He passed on the Torah. We know that Torah is referred to as Torah Or. Torah is the Torah of light. Right? It pushes away darkness. Moshe came with the Torah. That was uh, the highlight of Moshe's life. The, the giver of the Torah. He brought the light and he gave it to the Jewish people. That is again from above to below. But Pinchas his, he was an expression not just of bestowing light upon the Jewish people, but he was an expression of teshuvah of transforming the Jewish people from where they're at so that they themselves rise themselves up, but they are, not, um, they are not risen up only because someone just shone this very bright light in this place, so therefore it's illuminated. But they generated the light on their own. And um, transforming darkness um, into light Um, working with the physical within the physical realm that we live in and within this physical realm to begin to appreciate that the 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 dimension of the divine that's actually operates everything that's in the physical world and this is true not only in the way they interact with the world but in our own personal um, service of God there are these two um, directions. One is where, where, where I, as an individual, in wanting to be a, a, a good Jew, I, I receive um, inspiration from outside of me, and that keeps me in a good space. Um, or there is, or um, or there is where the person is actually works, um, goes through the the process of self work, where I want to refine myself. And elevate myself to be a person who's a refined person, and who is much more aware of the the, the more abstract truths of reality than just being a surface level of a surface level person. And um, these are the two levels of, we'll say, Moshe and Pinchas. Moshe's av- um, avoida, his primary work was neshama level, was, was working, was being aligned, was, was, with, was with the soul illuminating. Pinchas's primary work was with the body. What does that mean with the body? That means that the body is really a, an entity that hides the light of the soul. And either I can just try and um, focus on my soul and not on my body, which was a, a, a Moshe process, But a Pinchas process would be where I slowly work with the body so that the body becomes less and less of an obstacle to the soul and more of of a tool for the soul. And that's why we know that Pinchas hu Eliyahu. Our sages say that Pinchas, Elijah the prophet, had the soul of of Pinchas. They're they're the same person. And and that's because Eliyahu, Elijah the prophet's primary work, is through the times of exile and um, during during times of darkness. If you read the story of Elijah's life, you'll see that. And uh, he also worked during the time of Nevi'i Habal of the prophets of the Baal, and say, um, similar to um, um, Yirmiyahu um, Hanavi, uh, Jeremiah the prophet. And and this is also why the Zohar says, the great mystical work the Zohar says, that Pinchas corrected, through Pinchas's act of killing Zimri and Cosby, um, Pinchas corrected the wrongdoing of Nadav and Avihu. Nadav and Avihu were the two sons of Aaron who went into the Holy of Holies when they shouldn't because they had a deep desire for their souls to cleave to God and and therefore they ended up dying. What was their mistake? Their mistake was that they wanted inspiration, illumination, but they weren't focused on the transformation where to get the body to stop being an obstacle to the soul's light and get the body to be more and more an expression of the soul's light, for it to be a servant of the soul. And so comes Pinchas and he's a rectification of their wrongdoing because he is a, represent- a representation of the Avodah, of the body, of, of taking darkness, of taking obstacles, of taking things which challenge us and see them not as a challenge but as an opportunity to take this which shows up as a challenge and put it on the, a path of the divine of the divine. So it's no longer a challenge, it becomes a part of the process. Which of course is a much... Uh, a challenging, very challenging thing to do. So with all of this, um, what we need to realize is what I pointed out earlier, that there is the results of these two paths, um, which God designed different people on, um, at least these leaders on, where we know that Yeshaya and Moshe had, Moshe and Yeshaya had aligned, uh, paths, and Pinchas and Yermio and Eliyahu had aligned paths. Um, but what is the uh, the ramification? And then the results are that when a person works mil mila when a person works from above to below, meaning that they 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 want to illuminate. You know, it's sort of like when people want to throw money at the problem. You throw money at the problem. They fix the problem temporarily, um, but it doesn't really get into the problem and fix the problem. So. Um, So being that, ultimately, there is no refinement that is happening where the problem is at, where the obstacle is at, where the the challenge is at. So once the revelation stops, once you stop throwing money at it, once you stop offering inspiration, then the recipient is right back to where they started. Because there was no transformation that took place. So it's a short-lived process and result. Whereas when they pray, and that's the reason why, by the way, when God gave the Torah to the Jewish people, right, there was illumination. That was inspiration, right? Shock and awe, it was amazing. But forty days later, the Jews were made a golden calf. And they and that's because the what they experienced was something that they didn't yet integrate. It was just something that was amazing, but they weren't able to integrate. Whereas when a person works from below to above, which means that a person is not just looking for someone to for a savior to come and save them, but the person actually says, How can I work through this dark place that I'm in, this challenge that I'm in? How can I get my 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 animalistic, if you will, and my physical self to actually be in alignment with the divine purpose? when a person does that, they create sustainable change. It's sustained because it has been integrated with the person. So now wherever the person goes, that change is going with them. And that's why the atonement that was achieved by Pinchas was everlasting. Because Pinchas took the Jewish people through an experience. He didn't just shower something on them. He gave them a raw experience and that raw experience touched them very deeply and transformed them. And that's the reason why he was rewarded with an eternal reward because what he brought to the world was an eternal impact an eternal effect on the jewish people so and the reward is commensurate with the effort so my um, uh he illuminated the jewish people but he didn't create this level of transformation which was eternal and therefore his reward was not eternal uh, in respect to his leadership continuing on through his offspring. But being that Pinchas's was, so therefore he merited to this eternal eternal reward. And now we can understand um, in a much better fashion the association, much more deeply, the association between Pinchas and Yirmiyahu, who's the prophet of this week's Haftorah. Because we know that during the time of the Beis Hamikdash, that was a time when God's presence was revealed in the world, when we had our temple, especially during the first temple, and which is the concept, of course, of revelation or inspiration. Um, but um, the time of exile is the time of the work of Mamatalamilah, where there isn't where there's transformation. We're living in a state of darkness, where God's darkness is spiritual darkness, meaning that God's Presence isn't revealed. And in this state of darkness, we need to find God, and we need to be connected to God, and we need to bring God, fulfill God's mission in this world, which God gave us as a Jewish people to, to reveal God's presence in the world. And that is transformation, because we have to work with the darkness both within our own selves and within the world around us. And when I say darkness here, I mean the darkness of the obstructions of the awareness of the divine, which, which on a personal level come from our, 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 our being self-absorbed, which is really the, 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 uh, the, the, the direction of the animal soul, and taking our body and our animal soul and directing it towards unselfish, but our purpose-oriented and divine-oriented mission. And in the world itself, where the world also is a world which very much um, appears to be independent of its divine creator. So in our personal avodah, in every one of our personal avodah, our own service to God, we need to not only study Torah, get inspired by ideas, and share these beautiful ideas, which is a, a, a what the Torah is. Torah, are. Torah is light. But it's not enough, is the, is the Rebbe's point. We have to refine ourselves. We have to go through self-work to become refined people. That, and refined means that we are in touch with that which is truer, which, that which, is, which is abstract, the awareness of a God, even though the physical eyes and physical ears don't sense that. But our neshama, our soul, to get in touch with our soul, more so our soul senses that. And then we use our body to serve those purposes of the soul. And to do the same in, our, in, in, the, in the distinct um, um, places um, in this universe that we find ourselves in. Which are all by divine providence, because those are the spaces where God is expecting us to bring awareness of God into those spaces in the world, not to get caught up by the world and its and and, um, and its image, but to come to come to those places of the world with a mission, where I'm going to bring to you. I'm not here to receive from you, so that we are changing the world. The world is not changing us, and not being impacted by the challenges that come up. That is the Aveda of Pinchas, of not being, not believing that these challenges are real, but just realizing that they are obstacles that I need to work through in order. And the more I work through it, the more integrated the awareness of God becomes, because I'm working through the process of integrating God despite these challenges. And so they both came from um, Gentile ancestors on a personal level, and. So they both personally had to refine themselves on a personal level to make sure they were very refined, um, despite the fact that they had a a particular lineage. And that's part of the greatness that they achieved distinctly from someone that doesn't have that, that type of a background. And they were both being mocked by the world around them. That's already going beyond their personal work but now the world around them is mocking them for who they are and they have to rise up to that challenge and not be affected by it and bring truth to those elements of the world which, who are mocking them um, and refining that, that, you know, the, the, the external world which is beyond their personal lives as well. So all of this was what was very common to Pinchas and to Yermio and that they both operated in the very same way um, in, in the world as people. So it's not just that they have the same lineage, but their whole way of operating was the same. So they're very deeply associated. And, that, and that's how we see the association between this, um, the, the, the precise association between this week's Haftorah and not only the time we're in where it's obvious, but the, uh, the, the, the Torah portion, which is the portion of Pinchas. And then the Rebbe concludes with three, three uh, chapters on the lesson we learned from this, which is very, very powerful. and and, and it comes through focusing on the words that Prophet Yirmiyohu uses um, at the beginning of the Haftorah, which really have nothing to do with the rebuke, which the rabbi asks, why is that mentioned? See, the general lesson is this. The general lesson is that there are those who emphasize the service of the soul. You know, it's easy to live in a gated community. It's easy for me to to live in my small community where I... I, um, go to pray every day, and I study Torah, and I have my supermarket with the kosher food right next to me, which all of that is really actually very beautiful. And uh, it's a blessing for anyone, that, for, you know, for anyone that has that. But sometimes we suffice with that. And that's the, the point that the Rebbe is, is addressing here. That just davening and learning is not enough. Hashem wants more from us. He doesn't want us um, to just be dedicated on with illumination. Right and, and therefore, we're safe because we're constantly filling ourselves with inspiration. That's not enough. That's beautiful and very important and vital, but it's not enough. We must also get down and dirty, so to speak. We have to work with our body, with our selfishness, our self-absorption, uh, and so that we where we take our entire being and um, connect it to kedusha, to holiness, to divinity. And that creates transformation because I'm working with my entire being, even the part of my being which is opposed naturally to the divine. And I'm connecting it to the divine. And even in our general avid, our general work, which is outside of our personal life, but goes into how we impact the world around us, um, we have the same responsibility as well. And here's the thing. When a person is consumed with... Davening and learning is inspiration and illumination, but one does not work with the self-refinement and integration. What happens is, as long as they're involved in spiritual things and in in and in, in, in the holy things, they're they're safe. But the moment that person has to engage in worldly affairs, then suddenly they 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 start crashing down because their holiness is not integrated, and and therefore it's not sustainable with before any type of a challenge. Many people ask. Um, the Rebbe, how it is that he sent emissaries, his shluchim, throughout the world into foreign places, into foreign communities, foreign spiritually foreign, to them, where there is there, there are, very often there is no one else who is um, observing like them, and they don't have the the the, the social support and community support, um, and the the, the um, what the Rebbe answered in part. Is that as long as someone is influencing the world around them, then they will not get influenced because you always have there's emotion in the relationship. So either I'm am I giving or am I receiving? Am I influencing or am I being influenced? So when a person chooses to influence, not then then they're then they're not being influenced. And that's the idea of trans when I have a mission to transform the world, the physical world. Around me, the the, the 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 people around me, and all, with all of the obstacles that it comes with that actually creates that my own holiness becomes much more sustainable because I become much more integrated because I'm integrating the holiness into the world as we know it. So, but one can ask themselves, as as, as very often we do, how can I take how can I take on such an undertaking? Who am I to take on such an undertaking? To be able to integrate um, divine awareness, um, that my body should be a part of this too, that the world around me should become aware of this, and so this is the reason why the very first half Torah, during the three weeks of mourning of the destruction of the Beis HaMilash, begins with the Yichus, the lineage of Yirmiyahu and what does it say? <speaking in Hebrew> That Yirmiyoh, who was he? He was the son of Chilkiyoh, the Kohen Gadol. That a Jew needs to always remember who he is, that he's minachoyenim. That God said that we are his priestly nation. And the Haftorah says how he was scared. And uh, he says, I, can I do this? So Hashem, right in the darkness, we're in the three weeks, in the darkness, darkest period of, our, of, of the calendar year. And the first thing that we're told in the first Haftarah is that you're a kohen. You say you're scared. Ki I am with you. Hashem says to, to, to Yirmiyoh. I'm with you. Constantly. And, and, and so the Rabbi tells us this is the same for every single individual. That we all have the opportunity. We all have the ability to be able to remind ourselves of who we are and that we can actually integrate awareness of the divine in the world around us and elevate ourselves or refine ourselves from uh, being engrossed in the physical world, but actually having the physical world become engrossed in the divine. And this, in fact, is the personal story of every single one of us because every one of us, um, our nishama, our soul, when it was put into our body, When the soul came into the body, what do you think it experienced? It experienced exile. It's a form of gullus. It's a form of exile for the soul. Because the soul suddenly, which is a divine entity, is suddenly put into a body which is self-oriented, only wants to indulge in its own desires and its own pleasures. And so the Rebbe now explains this on a more mystical level. He says that we know that we have the three weeks, and during the three weeks we we read the Tilsid, the Puranusa, as I mentioned earlier, the three Haftoras of calamity. Right and likewise, the Rebbe says that the neshama descends into the three dimensions of calamity. What is the Rebbe referring to? So we're going to be we have to just uh, give a brief background that uh, Kabbalah and Hasidah speak about four dimensions, otherwise known as four worlds. That when God created the um, created creation, God did it in a, um, in a process. And that process was first. God formed a, a a realm, otherwise known as a world, which is a divine realm, where the divine shows up in form. God is infinite. God has no form or definition. So God created a divine world where there's only divinity. There's only God, um, but God in in, for, in 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 definition form. And then from there, then God creates three more realms where creation begins. Where actually other entities begin to show up because God hides himself and it's no longer a world which is just divine because now some form of matter begins to show up. And these three realms are called Bria, Yitzira, and Asiya. And these three worlds, the acronym for Bria, Yitzira, and Asiya is Bia. Um, So so the neshama now, when the neshama descends to a physical body, it goes through these four worlds until it comes into the body. So the neshama goes through its own three Calamities when it goes through these three lower worlds, which are not divine worlds, and what happens to the neshama? The neshama gets gripped by a fear. How can I do this? How can I be thrown into such a foreign environment and, and such a foreign element, such as the body, and be able to transform the body without the, the body holding me completely in captivity? So we say to the neshama exactly what God said to Yirmiyahu Hanavi. What did Hashem say to Yirmiyahu Hanavi? That, um hashem said here that before I formed you before you even existed in this world right before I formed you there wasn't even a fetus yet in your mother's stomach I already knew you what is hashem saying hashem saying you existed before this whole body before you even came into the body you are a divine being which is higher than this than this combined, this compound being. You're higher than the body. I knew you before the body even existed. Before you even went out from your mother's stomach, I knew you. I, I sanctified you. What does that mean? That refers to the fact that we know that every single neshama when it's in its mother's uh, womb, it learns the entire Torah. So Hashem is saying, "I sanctify. How do God sanctify us when we were in our mother's womb by teaching us the entire Torah? Now it's true that the malach, an angel, comes and gives us, as the Talmud says, a flick on the uh, on the lip, and, and when the baby's born, and we forget the entire Torah, which is why we all come into the world and we don't know the entire Torah. However, the very idea that that we don't know the Torah is only on the conscious level." But the fact that we the, and the whole purpose of us learning the Torah is that on an unconscious level, that in our in our deeper self, our neshama is always aligned with the Torah, and that gives us the strength that we need to be able to rise above the body, and influence the body instead of being influenced by the body. And then we take our body and soul, our our our, our body and soul together, and we influence the world instead of having the world influence us. So the neshama argues, what Yirmiyo argued. The neshama says, I hear you, Hashem, you say that you knew me, that you knew me before you formed me, and you sanctified me before I was born, but teach me the Torah. But, lo yedati daber, I don't even know, uh, I'm unable to speak. I don't even know how to speak, the neshama says. Ki after all, I'm a child. Yes, I learned the whole Torah, but the reality is that consciously I don't know the Torah, so I'm like a child. Maybe for my neshama, uh, you know my Nishama subconsciously knows the Torah that's very fine, but to be a Novi la'goim, to be a prophet for the nations, to change the world I'm a child I'm a young I'm a young lad. how am I going to be able to do that? So says Hashem don't say don't say that you're a child. not Hashem. Only, not only are you a godly soul which is higher than your body, which existed before your body. Not only did you study the entire Torah and your neshama knows the entire Torah, but Yitchani, I am with you through every step of the way. I'm constantly with you. And Hashem even additionally warns Yermiyo, Do not fear them. Don't fear the world. And don't think that you have to buy into the, what the, the beliefs that the world places before us that we're not able to, that in, the, in, in this world you can't do things this way, that I, you can't afford it, that you don't have the strength to do it. These are all fear tactics. But if Hashem tells us to do it, Hashem says, I, you are a divine soul which is greater than any, you're more powerful than anything in the world. You, your neshama is, has ingrained in it the awareness of the Torah. You have that, that illumination, that light with you. And I am constantly with you, do not fear. And the Rebbe concludes by saying that when we each and every one of us steps up to the plate and we stand up for this transformation, not just illumination, and we remind ourselves of what we are capable of because of um, who we are and th- that we are a divine soul which precedes the body, and that Hashem illuminated our neshama with with, with with awareness of Torah, and that God is constantly with us, and that there's no reason to fear. We will merit Pinchas who Elio. That Pinchas is Elio. Elio, we know is the one who's going to be Mivasir the Gula. He's the one who's going to announce herald the coming of Mashiach. We will merit the the uh, Elio informing us that with the coming of Mashiach speedily in our days.